Is it too early to talk about the 2024 NFL Draft? Not here at Draft Countdown. Coach Dwight Sheps from Toys the Titles is going to join us when we look ahead to the 2024 prospects on offense. Coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Bosars, joined as always by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 350 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 20 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. Yeah, let's let's make the transition. Let's do it. I mean, we are here, 2023 drafts behind us. We got the grades up on the site, and now it's time to start previewing 2024 and who to look for in college this fall. Yeah, it's uh, we're we're fully into that 2024 draft season now. We're gonna have start. We're gonna start having some pieces. We've got four 2024 mock drafts up on the site. You have a seven rounder. We had a special guest uh, drop a three round uh, mock draft on us today, and myself and Brad each had one round because we're not silly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, up on the site as well. But yeah, and then Shane, you dropped a 2025 mock draft. On us on Monday and 2026 coming up this coming Monday. Monday. And uh, you've also had your big boards drop for 2024 and 2025. And I presume 2026 will come next week as well. Yes, 2026 so, is coming uh, coming on Sunday. If you're, Sunday. If you're listening, if you're listening, it, it's already hidden up there somewhere. So if you really want to find it, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, stuck there. in. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're 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 gonna sit, we're gonna talk a little bit about the 2023 draft later when we ask some questions. We missed some questions last week on Twitter. That was on that's my fault. We're gonna answer those. So if you sent that question in last week, we're gonna get to it a little bit later. Uh, but we remind you if you're in the chat and you want to have your question uh, answered later on in the show, just go ahead and drop a question in the chat. There we'll get to it. Uh, or if you're on Twitter. Uh, send it to at draft countdown. We'll answer your question later, or you can always join our discord and ask a question there. Uh, go to draftcountdown.com. It's in the top right corner of the search bar and send your question in there on the discord. We'd love to have you uh, join us, but Shane, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get right into this 2024 offensive discussion here. And we're going to bring in our special guest tonight. He's a good friend of the show. Good friend of ours, 
from ToiletsToTitles.com. He's the coach. He's Dwight Sheps. He's the hot show over there at Toilets to Titles. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? How are we doing? I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see both of you fellas. And uh, I've never been called Dwight before, but I'm I'm good with it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it not Dwight? I love it. <laughs> no, uh, it's John. But um, I I like, you know, Dwight is something like I've never Look, been called Dwight before, man. So I'm going to embrace it. Where the hell did I get that from? I, I feel like know, it's a cooler name. I, it, I, I think like, you got to make the change. John like is it. very generic. It's yeah. cookie cutter. Dwight God, is like, man, I don't know. I'm don't sorry, man. I did, I, where did I get that from? Listen, I got to go edit YouTube things. I don't know. Like, now. Justin, I, Justin like, likes it. Justin's going to start calling you Dwight. I kind of like it. I don't I don't think I know any Dwights. I'm ready to embrace it. But I'm also like you guys. I mean, I'm changing names because. I'm changing. Usually I don't dive into next year's class. Like I, I kind of, I usually have like a guy or two I'm really super excited for, but the way I dive into next year's class is usually during Debbie draft season, me reaching out to Shane, Shane, sending me a list. Shane sends me a list. I keep that master list in my docs. And then I kind of convert it to my own notes. And then around August, I really start diving through the players. So this is the first time I've gotten this deep, into next year's class this early and, it, and it's because of you guys so you can call me whatever you want I, I'm, I'm happy i'm happy to be here look we've, your uh bryce young share finally paid off i think i had you draft him as an in incoming freshman and yes. so finally get to pay that one off young Boutte, uh quentin johnson i had from the jump you know yeah been we don't brag about Boutte anymore though no but yeah, that was... still it's still a name it's still like a polarizing name don't don't feel bad as I also if they unless they were eligible for last year's draft I also haven't watched them either so don't feel too bad you're not you're not alone in this instance uh, but that's what we got Shane here for right yeah oh, man I didn't I didn't want to be shown up I dove in good All right. good so let's uh, let's let's dive right in and let's uh, let's I mean you have to start with the QBs right. We always do. It's the position that makes everything go round. And at this point, we pretty much know who QB1 is, right? And I don't expect this to change in the entire process. And Shane, you can correct me here. Last The last two years running, we've had edge rushers go bell to bell as our number one prospects. Kayvon Thibodeau two years ago, Will Anderson this past draft cycle. I fully anticipate that Caleb Williams, the quarterback from Southern Cal, is going to be our number one prospect bell to bell. Yeah, I, I think it's very possible. He's my number one in the class right now. I think he's in position, Caleb Williams, to challenge the, the top quarterback prospects ever, at least since I've been doing it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, you know, uh, my top two uh, since 2004. Um, I think he has that type of talent and skill set showed off last year. But, you know, expectations are always high when the target's on your back and you're expected to be the number one overall player. Uh, we know guys can fall back or the, the, the criticism and tendency to pick out some of the small things definitely will, will happen with Caleb Williams. Um, so there's always a chance, injury, whatever. But uh, the, the athleticism, I think Caleb Williams brings to the table. Uh, the the freelancing ability, the ability to, to hit a spot, you know, anywhere on the field with his arm. I, I think he's a special player. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, uh, Sheps, if you feel the same way. Dwight, sorry. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I think he's electric. So usually like quarterbacks, it's so tough scouting quarterbacks. For me, I've always like, 
wide receivers, running backs, even tight ends, safeties. Those are the position groups. I, I have a really good grip, I feel like. But the nuances of the game for a quarterback, it's hard for me to see through film. But watching Caleb Williams, the dude's completely – I mean, he won the Heisman, right? Yeah, he has 824 career rushing yards. So he can move. He's very mobile. And what I noticed, his improvisational, his improvisational skills, but also the touch he puts on the football – like I notice a lot of guys I'm I'm watching when I'm watching quarterbacks it's one speed one speed one speed and he's he's a like he he throttles up he throttles down so I'm very impressed with Caleb Williams I'm surprised that though you're you're Ohio State guy so uh, I I'm surprised that Marvin Harrison Jr is in in the discussion for you for your number one prospect is that tugging at your heartstrings or no it's hard he's number 2 <laughs> it's hard not to put a guy, you know, we'll get to the receivers, but it's hard not to put put that guy up there. I, I like your comment about Caleb Williams being able to kind of change how he throws passes. You know, I think we watched Anthony Richardson this year. One of the big criticisms I had was he just throws that fastball, you know, every play. And I, I, Caleb Williams has this innate ability, uh, maybe the best I've seen, to really anticipate where a receiver's going to be and having the zip on the throw match where the receiver is going to be at the right time. Uh, so if he keeps that up, I mean, I, I think this year could be exceptional. And if the USC defense was better, I mean, we, we might be talking about a national title contender. But it wouldn't be as fun to watch if the defense was better. But That's putting true. them in a position where they got to keep chucking. And now Dorian Singer transferred over from Arizona. And we're going to talk about him later, I'm sure. His mm -hmm. body control, he doesn't need gigantic passing windows for the quarterback to throw to. So watching Caleb Williams kind of paint out there, just be an artist place in the football where it needs to be for Dorian Singer just to go up and snatch it out of the air. I'm looking forward to seeing him move on from throwing to Jordan Addison to a guy like Dorian Singer who's a true, like, an outside guy. I think it'll be very fun. Caleb Williams is the only prospect eligible for this class that I have watched that wasn't, like I said, wasn't previously eligible, and I watched him the other night. I made a couple of notes on, on him the thing I liked about it mostly is how he can throw from different arm angles. And it's like, that's a rare trait. It's a Mahomesian trait now as, as a, we, we see him do it all the time. And I think that's the guy that he's going to get comp to, right? Mm -hmm. Probably by a great deal of people, they're going to see the stuff he does on the field. And I think Mahomes is going to be the easy, like go to for people. The thing I wrote negatively about him that I didn't like and then I got an answer to why a little bit later was I noted he bailed on the pocket early sometimes. Like when he had a clean pocket, I could see him leaving the pocket, you know, sometimes a bit before he needed to. And then later in the game, I saw both of his offensive tackles just basically become like uh, bullfighters, you know, and just Olay every edge rusher Utah had in the Pac-12 championship game. And then I'm like, okay, well, that's why he's bailing early because he's used to these guys being bums. So he's got to get out of there. So I kind of like scratched that off. I was like, okay, now I can understand why. But yeah, he's got everything you need. Let's move on to number two. What I presume to be rule number two is Drake May. And he's got the prototypical size, right? 6'5", probably going to be 215, 220. You know, I see Justin Herbert comps getting thrown out there for him. Is, is that one, is that fair? And do we expect him to end up as QB2? Yeah, and Drake May, you know, being the quarterback in North Carolina, having to take over for Sam Howell, who maybe from an NFL perspective didn't have the draft capital, whatever, but he was a fantastic college quarterback, I think is very difficult. Um, but I thought May handled it extremely well this year. Yeah, 6'5", 220, 
moving the way that he does. Uh, he, he shows that rushing ability. I, I think he has more rushing ability than Justin Herbert does even. Um, you know, you see that size be used to May's advantage. The, the arm, uh, long arms can really whip that ball down the field. You know, I, I think he knows when to take the easy Josh Downs throw, and I think he knew when to kind of challenge and go for more. Um, I, I think there's a nice ceiling there. I do think there's a lot of issues with a lot of the technique, you know, which is usual for a young quarterback that hasn't started a lot of games. I mean, the, like the footwork, I think stepping up in the pocket, a lot of times he would just kind of, you know, take, take a drop back and, and throw it kind of flat footed. Um, I don't think he always stepped up into pressure to avoid when the pocket collapsed. You know, I think there's a lot of small things that uh, could hinder accuracy, could hinder, certain aspects of his game. So, you know, I have a little more worry for Drake Bay. He's, he's definitely my QB two, like by, by far. Uh, I have him my top six prospects in this draft. He's number six, but um, I, I do have more worry for him than I did for say CJ Stroud of potentially falling back down uh, is going to get a transfer in Tez Walker to replace Josh Downs. Like I, I think the weapons will be fine, but um, I have a little bit of fear, but the upside is certainly there more than any other quarterback in this class. Yeah, I, I like Drake May. He was number eight in the ACC in rushing yards last year with 698, like a six foot five, and he moves. That's what I, when you, you made the comparison to Justin Herbert, where the comparison I think is accurate is the arm. Dude's got a cannon. Like what I, one of my notes for him was just effortless arm strength. Like I just saw him whipping the ball off his back foot, like tight windows, tight windows, tight windows, right where it needs to be. And Josh Downs out of a lot of extended grabs where the ball didn't die at the numbers. The ball was like, it was like he was throwing the football, trying to throw it through his chest. So I like Drake May. I'm interested to see how he develops this year. And I, I saw what you said, Shane, about him getting out and kind of escaping a lot and not sitting in the pocket. But he had like the lateral quickness for him to evade and to get outside. You might be relying on it too much. But his movement ability is so evident and clear. And, and hopefully coaching and development can teach him to stay in the pocket a little bit longer because he can make he can make any throw on the field, uh, you know, at that size. And and then I want to go back to Williams. You, you, do we think Caleb Williams is going to come in at 6-1? No, uh, I think so. Taller or I think shorter? I think uh, he'll be shorter. I think yeah, he'll be above six foot, though. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a Bryce Young Kyler right. Murray situation. Still, man, like this guy, Drake May's got a few inches he could give him at 6'5, 220 pounds. You know, we, <laughs> too bad it don't work that way. Um, before we move on to the carryover from last year's put, uh, quarterbacks, I want to I talk about a couple other ones right quick. Uh, Quinn Ewers from Texas, we've only seen what, in a handful of games, and J.J. McCarthy from Michigan are a couple of guys that I, I'm kind of singling out here. Uh, talk to me about those two guys, yours first, and then McCarthy. McCarthy, I see lower on your board, but, Shane, I've been seeing, you know, some early mocks with him and going in that first round. So uh, talk to me about yours, why he's QB4 for you, and then McCarthy a little bit lower down. Yeah, yours. I I wish I could figure out. You know, I I think there is a stud quarterback in there somewhere. I think we started to see it come out in the game he got hurt against Alabama, where he started that game very hot, making reads. I was like, wow, you know, second game, this guy is finally getting it. Five star recruit, 
went to Ohio State, transferred to Texas. Um, and then when he came back from injury, I mean, he torched Oklahoma. He, he, he absolutely obliterated Oklahoma uh, and was very solid. And then you'll have the, like, the, the game against TCU uh, where, you know, I, I thought he was he, – he looked like an undrafted free agent. You know, they couldn't read a defense uh, where, the, you know, the athleticism, he looked slow in terms of uh, even identifying the pass rush and where it's coming from, like – like what you know what happened? I think when you was has first round potential. There's a reason he was the, a five star number one overall recruit. You know, he came into college a year early. Um, I think that could be a, a reason too. One of the issues is he's getting pushed. He, you know he has Arch Manning coming in this year. You know Quinn Ewers has the job. Like I don't think that's a problem. But they're going to want him out. I mean it's either Arch Manning or Malik Murphy. Like you can't stay for four years. You got to go. You know I think it could be an issue. Uh, I, I don't see it with J.J. McCarthy, you know, and, and you know, look, you, you mentioned I'm, I'm an Ohio State alumni. Maybe it's my bias showing. Um, I think the game against Ohio State where he was throwing against cover zero and probably had his best game. A lot of those passes, I felt like he was just chucking the ball up. I don't think he has the arm to throw the ball down the field. I don't think he has the zip. Um, I You know, and I think there were a number of games last year. I, I thought Penn State absolutely confused the heck out of him. Um, I, I don't see even the footwork technique for JJ McCarthy can always get there. Michigan has not shown me either that they can develop skill positions very well, especially quarterback and receivers. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely much lower on him, uh, than the consensus right now, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I mean, I I'm, I'm right there with you. So when you mentioned the Mahomes comparison for Caleb Williams, it seems a lot of people want to make the Mahomes comparison for the way Quinn Ewers throws the ball, but the way he throws the football, I think is, is a detriment. I think he's got so much skill. He's learned to rely on being able to complete the ball at odd angles. And like when I watch him, it looks like his upper body and his lower body are not on the same wavelength. Like his upper body's doing something, his lower body's doing something else. It's like, it's not communicating when sometimes when he's throwing the football, it seems last second, like he, like, He's doing it before he's even thinking about throwing the football. So I think 2023 is going to be such a huge year for Hewers. The, the talent, the physical talent is there, but the mental aspect, I, I think, I don't know if it's, if he's just lackadaisical because he's so physically gifted or he's just isn't, isn't getting things and he's making snap judgments based upon things he's seeing immediate rather than reading defenses and going through his reads. And then McCarthy, no way at that size is he going to be able to run like he does at the next level. And I think the way he's able to run, I mean, he had 70 carries, 306 yards, five touchdowns. The way I watched him run when I watched this film, he's 6'3". That's what, that's what the measurements I got, under 200. He's going to get beat to a pulp if he runs like that. He does have a decent arm. He throws a tight spiral. Like when I watched this film, that's the one thing I noticed. The ball spins beautifully off of McCarthy's arms, but he trusts his arm too much. He's just like just throwing the ball, thinking he's going to throw it into tight windows, and he doesn't really have much anticipation. He's not throwing a receiver open, or he's not waiting for him to get open on his break. He's just winging it. He's just flinging it in there, thinking his arm's going to send it in there. So I'm not as high on those two guys either. I like – Penix uh, out of Washington over both McCarthy and, and yours. Well, you mentioned Michael Penix and that he was eligible for last year's draft. And that's kind of where, where I was going next. 
Bo Nix from Oregon. I, I, I have the opinions. <laughs> Michael Penix from Washington. Uh, KJ Jefferson from Arkansas, another one. And Tyler Van Dyke. These are all guys that were, especially Van Dyke was considered a top 10 prospect last year entering the season and just fell off the damn earth. And so can he get it back? I mean, I don't know, but let's start with Bo Nix. I'm going to be lower. Uh, Maybe I just, I can't shake the Auburn off of him. Although he played a lot better last year at Oregon. A lot better. A lot better. (laughs) But Pac-12 defenses ain't SEC defenses either. So. Yeah. Well, and also I look, uh, I think Oregon coaching is is much much better than Auburn coaching as well. I think I think it's a big difference. I also think you're missing a couple guys there that uh, are you know I, I think there's a there's a big group here of yes. older yes. prospects that I think could emerge. Uh, I do like Bo Nix the best from how he played last year because you know he's another five star recruit. I think people forget that the physical tools are better than you remember from Auburn. Um, that he definitely anyway, has the arm. I think we started to see, especially as the year went on, him put together some of the mental aspects of the game and work within that system well. Um, and, you know, they, they they had a balanced game. So I think there is – I think there's upside with Bo Nix that, um, you know, that a lot of people aren't giving him credit for. I, I feel more comfortable with him over Penix just because of the – you know, I've heard the medical probably is going to be an issue. For Michael Penix, we saw the multiple knee injuries at Indiana. Uh, he did make it through last year. I think if he makes it through this whole season, maybe, hey, those go away. But we, we've seen how that can sink players in the draft. So I have that fear more than anything um, and movement-wise. But, I, you know, I think Knicks has a little bit of that athleticism to get out of the pocket too. Um, so if I, if I had to bank on one four-plus year player to go in the first round, I think I'd probably bet on Knicks over, uh, you know, over Penix. Yeah, with Knicks, what you're going to get is a lot of experience. And that seems to be the buzzword right now with quarterbacks coming out of college after, you know, the Brock Purdy situation in the NFL. Everybody's, why do we miss on him? Why do we miss on him? Well, a lot of teams and a lot of GMs are thinking we're missed on him because we didn't put into consideration how much experience factors into capabilities of a player to develop. And we're seeing Knicks not only have the experience, play against tough defenses, maybe be in a tough situation at Auburn, move on to Oregon, and develop. So, uh, you know, someone will definitely obviously be willing to take a risk on him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he hits with Penix. You know, he's lefty. He, dude, I think he, he he's not a runner, right? He only had 92 yards in 2022. That dude's going to sit in the pocket. You know who he reminds me of? Throwing the football. He reminds me of Geno Smith at West Virginia. Like the way Geno Smith threw the ball, I see a lot of that with Penix, just pure volume passer, the high hit rate, good accuracy, good arm, good tools, good skills, but he's going to be 24 going into his rookie season. And like you said, he has some injuries, so it'll be interesting. You know, clearly this class is strong, high with, with the youth and with May and Williams, but some one of these guys might be a career backup or, you know, it, the possibilities are there. Quickly, Joe Milton. Yeah, like I think Joe Milton, you know, lost his job at Michigan to Cade Mc, uh, to uh, you know to, to the players there. Um, his name's escaping me. I want, yeah, I want to say Cade McDown. That that is a long time ago. 
Cade McNamara, uh, who's awful. So now at Iowa, know, now at Iowa, still going to be awful. Better um, than Petrus. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but, you know, Melton is, I think, after Anthony Richardson, people are like, well, who's the next Anthony Richardson? I think you kind of have a couple contenders for that. I think Joe Milton's one of them. He's probably has the strongest arm in college football, maybe in the world. Like, I, I think I think his arm's stronger than Anthony Richardson. I think it's strong, maybe stronger than anyone Did in the Did you just NFL. say in the world? Yes. That's a huge, a that's a bold statement. It, it is. I'm probably wrong, right? I'm probably but regardless, right. it doesn't matter if you're wrong. The fact that you were willing to make that statement <laughs> yeah. is pretty damn bold. I mean, he, he can throw, you know, he, it's Jamarcus Russell-esque, right? Like, this is a guy that can throw at 80 yards on, on one knee. And that's impressive. He's going to start in Tennessee. We saw that offense at Tennessee, you know, work for Hendon Hooker and, and work for these receivers. It is gimmicky in how it gets receivers open and what you have to read. So I think Milton might look good, but I mean, you know, Brian mentioned KJ Jefferson from Arkansas, who's 6'3", 245, is a tank running the football. You know, I think Jordan Travis, I think Florida State is going to be exceptional this year. I think they're going to be a top five team, and Jordan Travis is going to lead the way. I think he he has a first round shot. So I think there's a number of quarterbacks, older quarterbacks, four or five year guys out of high school that uh, could emerge here. Yeah, I, I haven't watched either of these guys yet, but strongest arm in the world. I, Just, I, I have it circled. I can't, I can't wait to watch. I, I wish Jalen Hyatt was still there because he's going to have the problem with Milton is he's going to have all the same questions coming into him that Hendon Hooker had with the exception of the ACL. He's going to be what 25. He's going to be coming from that same offensive scheme that they, you know, they brought up about Hooker and the biggest difference. The thing I see with Joe Milton is he has absolutely no touch at all. He's throwing the fast. He has no change up. Yeah, he's throwing the fast. He's yeah, he's yeah, he's throwing the fastball all the time. So yeah, we saw in that offense Jalen Hyatt. Now Squirrel White's going to be in that role. It does the same thing. Just gets open down the field like that. That's that's going to impress someone. So uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's always I think it's a false equivalency with quarterbacks. Say, well, if this guy can go in the first, if Jordan Love can go here, then anyone. You know, if if Anthony Richardson go four, well, then Joe Milton can go in the first round. Like it doesn't work like that. But uh, I think that's what makes it intriguing. Yeah, it only works like that when it works like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's move on to running back now. And I am, other than Blake Corum, I really have, and Frank Gore Jr., I have absolutely no clue about any of these third-year running backs that dot the top five of the Shane P. Hallam 2024 draft rankings. So, well, I take that back. I do know a little bit about Raheem Rocket Sanders because I watched him go for two bills on South Carolina last year. So I do know I did see that. But uh, so let's start with him. He's number one, Shane. Uh, very rare to see a running back in that two 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 thirty range be nicknamed Rocket. Yeah, I, I mean he's he's just a big, fast, tough runner who I, I think willed that Arkansas offense to be better than it was this past season. You know, 6'2", I, I think I'm probably coming in the 220s, high 220s, you know, 230 pounds. And, I mean, he, he packs a punch. Like, if you don't bring him down and he gets through that line, he has that third gear that he can explode to so quickly and just do what he did against South Carolina and just, boom, take, you know, take off. Um, and tackle him from behind, you, you know, forget about it, not in terms of speed, but he's so big. Like, you, you can't get the grip to bring him down. I just think he's a, such a unique runner 
you know, I think number one and number two are close for me, but um, I, I think Rocket Sanders just has such upside as a, you know, a lead NFL back that uh, it's tough to ignore. Yeah. And it's hard to watch these prospects. I know we had this discussion when we were at the senior bowl, Brian, I know I come from a fantasy background. So when I watch a guy like this, it immediately rings a bell because this is a guy who can stay on the field. All three downs, 28 receptions in 2022, 271 yards, 9.7 yards per reception, two touchdowns, strong numbers. Like you can work with that. He's big. He's physical. He could protect. He was uh, number one in the SEC in yards per carry with 6.5 and yards from scrimmage with 17.14. So the numbers are there. When I, when I heard Rocket and I watched him, I was expecting breakaway speed on every run. Some runs, I saw him at the second and third level run away from guys, but it wasn't every time he got to the second or third level. So he's Rocket, but he's not consistently Rocket. Like he's Rocket more so I'm going to blast through you than I'm always going to blast by you. But for a guy who's going to be on the field for every down, somebody like this, when he got to the second and third, like I, I think – I like Donovan. I know I'm kind of jumping around. I'm sorry. But Edwards for Michigan is similar. Like these guys, the way they run, when they get to the second level, they're making corners and safeties make business decisions. And if you're, you're, you're running into these guys, you know, every single carry, by the time it gets to the third or fourth quarter, that's when you see the rocket become the rocket because people are diving at his feet and then he's running by them. So, you know, running back from Arkansas, wearing number five, sign me up. Where, where, where do you have them, Sheps, in terms of ranking? Because I, I think this is a tight running back group at the top. Um, I have them four. Four, okay. But it's close. Yeah. It's very close. Except it's a tight group at the top. Yeah, it's a, one, it's a tier. It's like a tier, one tier, and, and he's fourth in it. Very interesting that we have two Ohio State running backs, uh, Travion Henderson, who exploded onto the national scene uh, as a freshman, and has dealt with some injuries, right? And Mayan Williams, the other Ohio State running back, they'll be, you know, splitting carries in the backfield. And you mentioned Donovan Edwards will be splitting carries with Blake Corum, who's coming back from an injury. So that makes for interesting evaluations, right? Because these guys aren't going to be, you know, 100% factors on their offenses. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I think it can be a positive if you want it to be a positive or a negative if you want it to be a negative. Like, I feel like people use it to kind of mold their arguments. Well, you're not getting all the carries. You're not going to be as worn down for the NFL, you know, but then if you don't get all the carries, I don't know if you can be a lead back. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. I mean, generally, the guys that get more carries and are successful in college get more carries and are more successful in the NFL. But we're moving Except to Marion the- Barber. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, you know, man, he had a couple good years. He, he right, okay, but Lawrence, but Lawrence Maroney was the guy. Well, <laughs> you know, and then Marion came into the NFL was like, no, I'm that dude. No, nah, I'm going to take it. Um, so I, I, th- I think the Ohio State and Michigan backfields are interesting. Uh, you know, as, as Timothy is saying in, uh, in the chat that, you know, Henderson has that speed five-star recruit, you know, came in as a true freshman. They couldn't keep him off the field. You know, they kind of tried and couldn't keep him off the field because he has such that explosion right from the start and has the high end speed. I think he's the guy that can run away from guys in space. You know, he, he gets there and can do that. Um, we saw the, the you know, the injury last year, I think, really brought him down. I do think Henderson's vision, I had questions going into last year. We didn't get a chance to answer those. It's kind of what puts him at number two for me, um, where 
I think he'll make a lot of poor decisions in terms of cutbacks, in terms of the holes to hit. He, he misses holes. You know, I think there's maybe some rawness to Travion Henderson's game. And I think that's why Mayan Williams got a lot of play. He's the bowling ball, you know, 230, small, short, but big. Um, you know, so I, I think Trey's right up there with a great year. You know, he has a chance to be a top 50 pick. Yeah, my notes for Henderson, just his feet are so damn quick. It is so impressive to watch him cut in and out of the defense. Like his feet are like typewriter. Bim, 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 bim. So I, he's exciting for me. And I always like guys like that. And I think he's a weapon. He's an offensive weapon. He's not just a running back. I have him number one just for upside. I know he was banged up. He had the broken bone in his foot in 2022. He missed some time. But in his career, 290 carries, 6.3 yards per carry, 21 touchdowns on the ground, 340 uh, receiving yards. 11 yards per reception, five touchdowns. If he goes to the right offense, like imagine him in Philadelphia, right? I know they're they're bringing in, they, they got DeAndre Swift, and but he's a one-and-done Rashad Penny. Just a guy like that who's got a running quarterback next to him who's going to be able to freeze linebackers, freeze edge defenders, and going to be able to give him space. So now instead of having to make three or four defenders miss, he's only going to have to make one defender miss, so the job's a little easier for him. He's going to make you miss, you know, one-on-one. This cat is very impressive. An interesting philosophical like discussion with Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. He's coming from that eye back offense at Wisconsin, you know, his first two years. And this year they're going to be more the wide open offense. Pete Limbo, I think. So they brought in ZOC, right? Is that, is that right? Yeah. So, so you're going to go to the yeah. spread air raid offense does that make like change how you evaluate him or is it better because you're going to get you're going to have tape on him in multiple styles yeah yeah look at like anthony richardson comes into the colts and now people are concerned can jonathan taylor run the read option i don't think i don't know if he's ever ran the read option ever and now this cat he's going to have the opportunity to play in a different offense and put something else on film so coaches are going to know what he's capable of but shane i'm sorry go ahead no, no, no. I, I think it's great. I think you're right. Like, he almost transferred. You know, there, there was talk about him going to USC, and it, he stayed. I think they, they sold the offense to him. Like you said, to diversify that skill set. I mean, I, I haven't seen – I've seen Braylon Allen catch, like, three passes. You know, it, it's very small. Wisconsin, right? he was just running the ball up the gut, um, and now he, he's going to – he might catch 30, 40 passes this year. So we're going to see if that skill set's there. I already know that he can run between the tackles of the gap scheme and, you know, run guys over. I think the interesting thing with Brandon Allen in, in Wisconsin is his, his age. You know, he's not going to turn 20 until January. The you know, season's over. He is younger than some incoming freshman in the college football. You know, so you're getting, I, I think, a very young player that's still developing, still getting bigger – stronger, faster um, at 19 years old. Like, I think there's a lot of upside that's still untapped there. So I I, I thought this year was a little bit worse for Allen. Um, you know, part of that's on Wisconsin. But um, I, I still think the upside's really big for some 6 Now, as you said, uh, Coach, like, he's, he's going to be catching passes. I'm, I like it. It's funny. So Wisconsin's changed into the shotgun. Armies changes to the shotgun. Like what, what is going on to <laughs> two offenses that are just straight punch you in the mouth. But with, with Allen, you know, Shane, you mentioned it was kind of a down year. He still had 230 carries for 1250 yards, yeah. 5.4 yards per carry. Like 
when you're a defensive coordinator preparing to play Wisconsin, I assume, you know, the Monday morning meeting when you're having your coffee, you're ta- talking to the position coaches like, hey, here's the guy we need to stop. They're circling the running back for Wisconsin, whoever it is. And it happens to be Braylon Allen. So teams are going out there trying to stop this guy and they can't. And I'm excited to see him work a little bit in space because we've seen him navigate through traffic. And I think that's what his best trait is. His best trait is anticipation, his jump cuts as he navigates through clutter, finding space, taking it. He's a North-South guy who's capable of side-to-side jump cuts, and he's very efficient. Like efficiency, I, I think, would be a big term for Braylon Allen. He's going to get you yardage. He's going to get you positive yardage. He's not as explosive as a Raheem Sanders, you know, rocket, you know, it's not Braylon rocket Allen, but he's efficient and he's going to get you chunks, 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 and then break and and, he, and he's physical. So and he's a Wisconsin running back. So sign me up <laughs> like right away. Last running back. And we'll talk about him quickly is, is Frank Gore jr. Southern miss. I got to see in person in house at the lending tree bowl, him obliterate the, uh, single bowl game rushing record. I just thought that was a, a fun thing to be able to see. You don't you don't really get to see 300-plus rushing yards in a game in person, and I got to see that. Uh, quick thoughts on Frank Gore Jr. and how he could potentially be an NFL running back. Look, I, I think he's been productive. Uh, I, I think he's, he's beat up on a lot of defenses. I, I think Frank Gore – I don't know if he has the size and the frame for me to feel great about, like, this is a – you know, starter in the NFL. He, he doesn't have his his dad's bulk and build, but I think he's a player that can that's being underrated right now um, and can get drafted and have a role on the team. So I still, uh, you know, I, I still like him in my top ten. But uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see how this season goes. Like playing, I, I really expect him to transfer up. I, I think he should have transferred up somewhere. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that, or at least transfer over to Miami, <laughs> you know, like I know that I don't know if that would necessarily be considered, but go, you know, go do what your dad did, but 1300 yards at the ground, 6.1 yards per carry. And then breaking that single game record for the bowl game. It's pretty impressive. Five, eight though, 185 pounds. Is he going to come in at 185 pounds? I think he's a guy who's going to be a contributor at the NFL, just based upon, legacy he knows what it takes he's got a father who's experienced so i think he's going to come in he'll find a role i don't know how productive he's going to be at the next level but i think he's going to he's going to find a way to stick around because his dad did and he's got good genes yeah i look i I think i think the michigan duo is going to be highly touted donovan edwards and blake quorum i like edwards a lot i I like i think edwards is he's one of my favorite backs in this class i i have him number two yeah, I mean, there's two games. If, if he does that again, I, I'll be interested to see uh, how that goes. Will Shipley from Clemson is a little bit of a mystery, and I, I really like Trey Benson from Florida State. I'm going to pump up most of these Florida State guys. I think they're going to be good. I think Trey Benson could potentially be a top 50 back. What about our guy Carson Steele? UCLA for doesn't Ball look like State. he's starting for UCLA, so I think yeah. it's gonna be tough. <laughs> Man, fifteen hundred yards, Carson Steele. Fifteen hundred yards at Ball State. I'm I'm hoping he gets an opportunity. Man. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. All right, let's move on to receiver and let's Marvin Harris Jr. go. Uh, I mean, I I have to kind of look back, but I I don't know he's he's the best wide receiver prospect. 
to me in, in a long, long time. Like, I think if he keeps playing like this, I, I mean, I think he's better than Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase had that year off. I mean, we could be talking since Julio Jones, A.J. Green that year. Uh, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., just a lot of the subtleties. You know, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic. You know, his body control's uh, absolutely great. But uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. off the line, I mean, his, his footwork off the line is so hard to cover one-on-one, and he'll make you pay. You know, Joey Porter Jr. is my number two corner in the class, and there are multiple times that, like, Joey Porter Jr. took one wrong step inside. Marvin Harrison immediately, you know, this is split-second stuff. It read it, uh, took took a step the other way, and, and was able to blow past him and beat the press because your leverage is, is off. Like, he knows exactly how to do that. We saw it against Keely Ringo. We saw it against all these guys that went in the top, you know, 100, 150 of the draft. I mean, he dominated every single one. Uh, you know, it, it just, I don't know. I don't know how he does what he does. Um, but he's, he's, I think he's going to be a top five pick in the draft as long as things don't, nothing goes poorly. His, so you mentioned his routes and you gushed over his routes, his release is off the line, his size, he's six, three, 202 pounds. He's an ideal X, which I don't think we had an ideal X in the entire 22 class. I mean, Cedric Tillman, but he's limited. A.T. Perry, but he's limited. Quentin John- Jonathan Mingo was the was the first know? X drafted. You know? So uh, Marvin Harrison, I mean, there's a few, I think, in this class who are very solid X receivers, and he's one of them. But when Marvin Harrison, what I love about Marvin Harrison is watching him track the football. His ball tracking ability, his body control, and his hands, like the, the way he goes from tracking the football, like an outfielder. Like a yeah. very, very good outfielder. And, and another thing, this might sound like lazy analysis. I like Wisconsin running backs. I like Ohio State wide receivers. <laughs> like Brian Hartline, I don't know how much he's involved with bringing in and recruiting these prospects. Oh, but wow. I know he's I know he's coaching <laughs> these prospects. Yeah. And he's got good taste. He, he's very, very successful. And these wide receivers are very, very successful. Like dating back, you know, Terry McLaurin. No one was expecting much out of that guy comes into the senior bowl. Shout out to Brian Bosarge. He, he uh, he's our host down there in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, yeah, but so I think, you know, Ohio state wide receivers, Marvin Harrison's a dude. That brings us to his teammate, Emeka Egbuka, right? I, I mean, we saw Emeka Egbuka step in that Jackson Smith and Jigba role and absolutely, I think kill it. Uh, you know, he kind of picked up where JSN left off and maybe doesn't have quite the the dynamic ability that we saw two years ago from JSN, but I think the consistency, like Buka out of the slot, he, you know, he has a little bit more size to, uh, I think he could play a, an outside role. I think he's versatile, really good, big, just soft hands and the ability to not lose, you know, not lose a step when he's catching the football and kind of continue to pick up some extra yardage. I, I, think, I think we're still – we haven't seen the best from Igbuka even, um, you know, yet. And I think when we have a worse quarterback there, I think it's going to be we're really going to see Marvin Harrison and Amika Igbuka um, what they can do. Igbuka kind of reminds me of AJ Brown when he was at Ole Miss. I don't think he's as as stocky as AJ Brown was, but he's an offensive weapon who's working primarily from the slot, and the offense is going to manufacture him touches like Garrett Wilson. He's creating major separation. He's getting open. He's tracking the football. Ibuka is the type of guy you're going to throw him some screens. You're going to throw him some crossing routes. You're going to just try to get the football in this guy's hands. He's very good at it. And all, the way he wears his socks, like, you know, remind me, that's the way A.J. Brown, like, uh, he even looks, he even dresses like A.J. Brown on the football field. 
He had about 40 more yards after the catch than Jalen Hyatt did in 2022, which that says something. Because Jalen Hyatt, usually when he was catching the football, he was running away from somebody. And he was 13th in the nation in yards after catch per reception with 7.1. So, you know, he's different. And I think that's exciting. It's not like you have two guys kind of in the same like cookie cutter mold. You know, Garrett Wilson. I'm sorry, Garrett. That's that's what I'm thinking when I think of uh, Marvin Harrison, because I, I, I see similarities there, too. But Marvin Harrison's a bigger version of that. You got Marvin Harrison. And then you got Ibuka, who's just a, a, a weapon, who's, you know, kind of similar, like, uh, you know, what, what I said about Travion Henderson. It's guys, you want to manufacture touches and get on the football. You know, there was a lot of talk about the 2023 wide receiver class not being that good. Uh, just looking at some of the production and, and everything we've seen from this this 2024 group, it, it looks like we're we're going to get back on track, right? With with this class, there's a your three, four, and five guys, Shane. I know little about here, so just kind of talk quickly about Xavier Worthy from Texas, Troy Franklin, Oregon, and Malik Neighbors, LSU, and what why they could be, you know, go high in the 2024 draft. Yeah, I mean, I think Worthy, he's small. He's he's your your you know Hollywood Brown type of receiver, but super productive. Nineteen years old as a true freshman, um, and I felt last year he struggled a little bit more in terms of getting open and um, you know maybe, maybe some of his effort, a little injury concerns that happened with him. Uh, but I think he has dynamic ability, screen pass. You know what we saw was a flowers, and and I was just going to ask you. I was going to raise my hand and say, yeah, who were you higher on? Going into their final year of college, Flowers or Worthy? I think I'm higher on Worthy. Um, that that doesn't mean he's going to be a first round pick. You know that that's going to happen. But I think I'm higher on Worthy because he he did it so early, and I think in this offense it, it just works for him to have some of that you know early production. Um, and, and I think the age helps too. You know, so I like him. I really like Troy Franklin from Oregon. Uh, he's got kind of got that. He's a little taller, lankier. But Devontae uh, Smith, a little, it was kind of my uh, my comparison for him a little bit. A little more aggressive than Smith, though. A little more aggressive. But, you know, he gets he gets open down the field. A lot of different routes, too, which you don't expect from Oregon. I thought Troy Franklin, I'm interested to see if they even expand his route tree because I think he can do it. And Malik Neighbors really came on this year what we thought Keyshawn Boutte was going to do. Malik Neighbors kind of turned into the number one there at LSU. Uh, and, I mean, he's, he's tough to bring down. He's kind of nasty after the catch even for – He's probably five, you know, five eleven, under two hundred pounds, but yeah, I mean, he's tough. Um, so you know, I, I like those guys. Um, yeah, what about for you, coach? Any of those guys or anyone else that uh, you watch from the class too? I, I think you with with flowers. I, I love that you brought up flowers when you talked about worthy. Every year in the draft process, we say we see players like Xavier Worthy, Zay Flowers, Hollywood Brown all rise within the last like two months of the process and become you know, late second round, mid first round prospects. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody falls in love with Xavier Worthy next year around the time of the NFL draft. And what I like about him a little more than I like about Zay Flowers is Zay Flowers didn't know how to, everything Zay Flowers does was sudden, abrupt with burst and juice. He didn't know how, like he, you know, like he doesn't, he's not playing chess. Like what I mean by that is, not, you know, going with the slow step, a stutter step, like everything he's doing, I'm going to outrun you. I'm going to out hustle you. Xavier Worthy seems to have 
little more of that nuance to his game. High level of concentration, too. Some of the catches I've seen him make are, are very impressive. Troy Franklin's exciting. Like I said, kind of similar to, you know, lazy comparison for him would be a, a, a Devontae Smith, 6 to 170 pounds. That's the measurements I got. Like, that's very lean. But for a thin, wiry wide receiver, he's not as smooth as uh, Devontae Smith, but he's sudden, abrupt, good route runner. Malik Neighbors was number six in the nation in missed tackles forced. I, I, he, now, you know, I, I kind of I don't have my comparisons for quarterbacks every now and then I make a comparison for running back. But I'm, I'm always seeing comparisons for wide receivers. And what I see with neighbors neighbors is CeeDee Lamish inside receiver, outside receiver, crossing routes, yard after the catch separator. You know, he's going to go up and get it. He's going to plug it. I like Malik neighbors. But, but what about you? You didn't mention. Can we talk about Romo Dunze from, from yeah. Washington? Yeah, six, three, 200 pounds. I think. Everything that everyone hoped Quentin Johnson was, I think Romo Dunze, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I need to ask Wikipedia or Jeeves. I, I think he is better at all of those things than Quentin Johnson. He plays big, he plays fast, but he plays physical as well. Like he, he does it all. He's another true X. And I, I have Odunze as my number two. Look, look, I, I think Romeo Dunze is exceptional. Like you said, he has the size and he's not afraid to use it off the line. I think when he was against corners that couldn't press him well, I mean, he, you know, he dominated against the Arizonas and Washington States, the world. I thought, you know, he played really well, got downfield, made some of these big catches. Um, I, I do think there were games where Roma Dunze just couldn't get off the line where I'm like, this big guy should be able to get off the line. He just can't do it. You know? So it's, it's some of those tales of like, wow, this is really good. This is really bad. Now, if we see that development mean consistently do the things that he did really well, I mean, yeah, I, I think we could be talking even about a top 20 pick. Um, so I think the upside certainly there with him and his teammate, Jalen McMillan. I think both those guys, um, we talk about Phoenix, like this Washington offense could really blow up. What do you think yeah, about I'm... Singer? Can, can I bring up Singer too? Go ahead. Sorry. You like him, Shane? Yeah. Dor- yeah like he's my wide receiver seven. Dorian Singer is going from Arizona to USC to fill that Jordan Addison role. I think he's clearly going to be the number one guy there. I mean, he's uh, he, he, he reminds me a lot of Addison just in terms of the route running, but he has a little bit more of that deeper speed, I think, to beat you. Just a, a you know a good player. I think there's just a lot of potential in this in this class. As yeah, well. I, I don't think he needs separation to catch the football. He just needs the – like, out of all the players I watched, I was the most impressed with his catching ability out, out of all of them. He's an elite catcher of the football, plucker, snatcher. I noticed even when he was running away from a defender and the ball was going to fall in his lap, he still didn't just let it come to him. Everything he was catching, he was grabbing it out of the air. So, I, so I was impressed. But I'm sorry for hijacking the show, Brian. It's all you. No, no, that that's fine. I was I was gonna uh, actually go to you. I love a Dunze last year. I, I wish he, I, I, you know, he was he was high on my board. Uh, bef- and then he went back to school. A big fan of McMillan as well. Uh, I want to quickly talk about who I think we're going to talk about, like we did Dalton Kincaid in this year's class, but listed as a wide receiver and that's Johnny Wilson, Florida state. Massive, huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's big. I, I, I don't think he plays that big. I think it's a, an issue to me, you know, where I, I thought a lot of times Jordan Travis kind of made him a little bit better than he is, but I mean, you know, you can't teach a guy that's close to six, seven, two thirty-five with the leaping ability that he has, 
Uh, he, he's definitely a wild card. Like I, I kind of like Aronda Gazdan of Syracuse a little bit more, but um, I think both those guys are just unique kind of unicorns in this pass catching class. The, the measurements I got for Wilson, 6'7", 235 pounds. Good luck being a safety trying to hit this guy when he's up to a full head of steam. But Shane, you know, I am scarred from like three or four years of liking big wide receivers that can't separate. <laughs> yeah. I, I fall yeah. in love with big, aggressive, physical wide receivers. And it's like my brain. Now I see a guy like this and I'm like, no, will not work. Will not work. And this X, this X is for XFL. <laughs> Cause I see a guy like this going in, you know, producing, in, in a league like the XFL, who's the wide receiver from Iowa State? Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Hakeem Butler. Like crushing it. And now he's coming back to the NFL. But when I watched Wilson and I gave him a little bit more time, he he was more nuanced than I expected. The subtleties at the top of his route, you know, in one-on-one coverage with the DB right in front of him, you know, his stutter steps to get the DB to open to the left so we can cut under him to the right, like – he doesn't just play like a big wide or even another big receiver to come out of uh, uh, Florida State. I think he's a smoother athlete than Kelvin Benjamin. I do. You know, I, I think he's a better route runner than Kelvin Benjamin. But at 6'7", 235 pounds, I'm just nervous about how much he can separate consistently. Right. And last receiver I want to talk about because I haven't talked about a South Carolina player yet. So let's talk about Juice Wells. Uh, the uh, wide receiver for South Carolina had a big year last year. I'm expecting uh, him to be uh, put up another big year this year. Look, I I, li- I really liked him coming in. I think the transfer up, uh, he, he was exceptional. I mean, he really didn't come on until the last couple games there. and those Neither did games. the rest of the offense, to yeah, be honest. That's fair. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think the juice nickname is apt. I think he has a lot of that quick twitch ability, um, to kind of make you miss and can take a lot of those screen passes, short passes for big yardage. Um, I think he is, was a little more of a role player. I'm interested to see if, if how South Carolina's offense goes this year with the new coordinator. And if Wells can be a little more traditional in showing what he can do. You and me both, you and me both. All right, let's move on to tight ends now. And we're going to talk about – let's just quickly get this out of the way. Let's talk about a former Gamecock. Now, another Florida State player we're going to talk about here, Jaheim Bell. And I am sitting here begging, begging Mike Norvell, use him like a damn tight end and don't have him taking carries. I, I have a feeling you will not be taking carries of Florida State uh, and actually playing like slot receiver tight end there. Um, I, I still think he's a, a great talent that South Carolina just botched completely. And, and I think, uh, he's my tight end three. We could see Jaheim Bell be one of those kind of move tight ends that, that really works in the NFL in the right system. I haven't watched any tight end other than Brock Bowers. So I'm going to be learning during this segment as well. I, the sad part is Shane, I think if Jaheim Bell had stayed and not transferred, he would have gotten used a lot better. Uh, in the offensive system, that I, I think after three years, I don't blame no, 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 I don't blame him at all. <laughs> I, I was, Jay, you remember the podcast last year? I was advocating yeah. he transfer in mid season, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, but anyway, all right. So, coach, you know about Brock Bowers, 
I'm just, we know how great he is, so we don't have to elaborate on that. Where does he compare to recent tight ends entering the league? Looking at your Kyle Pitts, right, Kincaid's, these guys. How, who is he? If he's better than Pitts as a prospect, and that's an if. I don't know the answer to that. How far back do we have to go to compare him as a tight end prospect? So I don't think it's personally when I'm doing my rankings, I'm not even going to put him in a class with Kincaid and Pitts because I think they play a separate position. You know, I I'd put Bowers more in the conversation with a TJ Hawkinson and a Noah Fant, but I think he's, I think he's a like, Man, saying a tier above TJ Hawkinson is tough because coming out of Iowa, like, T, you know, I don't want to have recency bias, and we're really seeing him come on in the NFL. And if you guaranteed me Brock Bowers would come into the NFL and do what TJ Hawkinson was able to do last year in Minnesota, I'd sign up for that. But I think he's, you know, I think he's a top 12 selection. And I think Pitts, he went so high, not because he was a tight end, because he was a weapon and Atlanta, you know, felt like a guy like that, you could sell to your fan base, super exciting, big vertical threat catcher of the football. But, but Bowers, I think you can sell him to your GM. You could sell him to your head coach. You could sell him to your offensive coordinator. You can sell him to the offensive line coach, the quarterback, like the whole team's going to be on board. Not saying they weren't with the Kyle Pitts, but Brock, Brock Bowers is a football player. So I I'm, I'm high on him. You know, I, I like him coming out of Georgia. Like I, I tweeted early in the season. I got the flack for it. I'm, I'm going to tweet it five. You know, I'm going to retweet that five more times. I think he's going to be what we wanted Kyle Pitts to be, like this offensive weapon that can just come in and dominate uh, offenses. And like you said, Coach, be, because of the versatility that he brings, he's taking reverses to to the house. You know, he's taking these jet sweeps to the house at uh, 225 pounds, and he he always gets open. Like he knows how to manipulate his own, uh, the, you know, the hands, the, the, the coordination and the athleticism. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think he's worthy of a top five pick. I, I think we're going back to like Eric Ebron as, you know, as one of those kind of all around weapons. Now, Ebron I didn't, I didn't quite work out. I think he's kind of ahead of his time of how to utilize this type of offensive weapon. Sounds about right to me. A uh, couple of tight ends. I don't know anything about Shane, so enlighten me on Texas tight end Jatavion Sanders and Ole Miss tight end Michael Trigg. I, I think JT Sanders has a chance to be a first-round pick. He's a guy that came into college as an athlete, started at defensive end, and, and, and they transferred him to tight end. And I always like those type of players because, you know, he has that explosive ability off the line, that first step. Um, and, I mean, they, they were manufacturing touches for him with with Xavier Worthy, with, with a lot of weapons on that offense, with B. John Robinson. Like, we got to get the ball in this guy's hands. And, and I think that says to his athleticism and toughness, um, just, you know, doesn't go down easily. I think we see even more JT Sanders this year. Um, you know, five touchdowns, good red zone threat. Uh, like I think he has a chance to be, you know, to be a fringe first round pick with, with the athletic ability and that, you know, as a weapon, you, you got to have that nowadays. I think Michael Trigg, Michael Trigg was not great this year. Like I think after the top three, it's a lot of question marks um, at tight end. I think guys will emerge. 
but you know, Trigg is a player I liked kind of two years ago, and then we saw last year it was just run the ball with Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans and don't, you know, don't throw so much. Um, but, you know, Trigg has, you know, flashed um, the ability at USC to, to be a, a real weapon, transferred to Mississippi, uh, you know, with Jackson Dart and just didn't work out. So I, I still have some high hopes uh, for him, but uh, I'm definitely not, you know, putting Trigg even as a top 100 pick at this point. I, I think it's a steep drop off. So what I'm hearing is, this tight end class will not be as good as last year's. Man, we just finished a uh, a rookie draft yesterday, and and there are more tight ends that went in that dynasty rookie draft than I think I've ever seen in any dynasty rookie mock or, or actual draft. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not, it's not, it's definitely not this group. Like you said, I mean, I think there are so many weapons, so many guys this year, but. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential out there. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I don't know what expected. We were talking Dalton Kincaid this time last year. So I think there's a lot of guys with athleticism, with pass catching ability. There's no Luke. Got to put it together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There, there'll probably be a few Luke Schoon makers if we're good. Uh, no, yeah. chef's this guy. He got the Staubach Jersey behind That's him. That's it, you know? man. All right. All right, so I was told beforehand that offensive line probably not going to be uh, your your uh, go to spot there, Coach. No, no, not 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 yet. Maybe maybe somewhere down the line I'll get it some some high uh, offensive line analysis. Well, we'll talk about some offensive tackles quickly. Uh, Olu Fashanu is going to be my number one offensive tackle and a top five player on my board. I think he would have been the number one offensive tackle in this last draft class. I, I think his his footwork, I think his technique, I think his power and his length. I love everything about what he brings here, size, and uh he'll be my number one offensive tackle. Uh, Shane, you've got him number two. I got him he's the number four overall this. So, so there you go. He's, he's high. He's he's top. I think the two offensive tackles at the top, Vishanu and then Joe Alt from Notre Dame, I think both those guys are just exceptional talents. Alt probably more of a zone Blocker, big, long, very tall, uh, and Vashanu kind of has the size gap scheme nastiness. Uh, so I, I think I think there's a flavor for what you want. This is, is going to be a really good offensive tackle class um, coming in. So that's one of the strengths of this group. Man, I, I talked about Ohio State wide receivers and Brian Hartline. Let's talk about Penn State and recruiting just absolute freaks. The Penn State every year sends out two or three guys to the NFL that are just physical specimen, you know, and that's, I mean, I remember last year, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, a great scout of offensive talent on the, on the line, but during early mock drafts, like as of October, expecting this guy to go to the NFL, I think he was a top 15 selection in last year's class. So, you know, I, I'm right there with it. He was a third team all American as a sophomore. Right. So, you know, the, the upside's there. A um, couple other guys that I want to get to uh, really quick. Uh, BYU's Kingsley Salmatea uh, is a transfer, right? So let's let's talk about him uh, quickly, Shane. A little needs some add some bulk. It looks like. Yeah, I you know I, I think he probably has at this point, um, but you know he was a player who was a, a big time recruit um is you know coming into Oregon didn't really get all that playing time I think when he did play last season he was exceptional like you see the strength 
Um, from what I've heard, he's bulked up here to maybe 310, 320. So I, I, th- I think that's happened. That development's happened. But, you know, a nasty player who I think has the feet and athleticism. Um, so I think after the top two, it's kind of projection, right? Like who's going to step up from this next group? I think he's my most likely to. And for the first time on this show, we're going to talk about an Alabama player, which a little surprising that it's taken us this long here. Uh, J.C. Latham, 6'6", picking up a lot of buzz uh, early here in the 2024 cycle. I mean, Latham, another, you know, high-end recruit um, who is absolutely dominant last year. I thought he was potentially is the best offensive lineman that Alabama had last season and kind of where Bryce Young started to, you know, trick over there because you knew he was going to be protected. Uh, rock solid. I don't think he's as you know, dominating. Maybe doesn't have the upside of the top, top three in my rankings, but I think, you know, Latham uh, has that pedigree for sure. He's another young guy too. He'll only be 21 coming out next year and like just turning 21 for, for his rookie season. So that's, that's promising as well. We'll wrap it up with two interior guys. Uh, Cooper BB, Kansas State. He's an offensive tackle there. Why, uh, why are you projecting him inside here, Shane? You know why. It's the short arms. I don't think his arms are going to measure. It's going to be Skaronski-esque here. But I think I think it is similar to Peter Skaronski that we saw last year. Like Cooper Bebe has the absolute technique and the leverage and the footwork. And it's just, I think. Same color long- uniforms. Yeah, yeah, same as purple. This, but the the long arm guys just get them, and I think that's uh, I think he could be a first round pick at a, as a guard. You love Georgia center Cedric von Prahn last year. Great name. I did. I did. I did. Uh, I was really hoping he'd come out. Uh, I think he's going to be you know the the rock of that offensive line. I think I think he was at the end of last season, especially in the national championship and in the playoff game against Ohio State. I mean, he was you know, moving guys. I think Von Prahn has a chance to be a fringe first round talent as well. Is that, is that, is it Von Prahn or Van Pran? I think, I think it's, I think it's Von Prahn. Von Prahn. Yeah. But look, I've, Von Prahn's much better than Van Pran. It's hard. It's hard watching the, you know, you watch the L22 and there's no sound. I'm like, I never know what the guy's names are until. Von Bones. Von Braun, Braun Bones. I don't know. We've got to get Scott back next year to do the uh, – I know. He was, he was good course. at that. It was good. Right. Coach, I didn't think we'd keep you on an hour here, but uh, we, we did. But, uh, man, we appreciate you coming on. And, and let me apologize again for getting you. I like it, on. man. I think from, from going forward as punishment for doing that, we, you have to stick with it now. You don't – that's it. I'm, when, I, when you see me, it's Dwight, Dwight Sheps. I'm going to wear it with pride. There, there you go. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody where we where they can find all of your stuff, your your just immersive content that you guys put out. Oh man, yeah. Uh, so go to toiletstotitles.com. You can check us out on Twitter at Toilets to Titles. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach Sheps, our YouTube channel, Toilets to Titles. We did a, a mock draft challenge with the uh, people over at Draft Countdown. It was a lot of fun. We got a tons of content right now. It's that we were deep dive into the NFL draft. Now we're doing, you know, tons of our fantasy football stuff. Shane knows we, we do uh, the Frankenstein listener league. That's going to be oh. like transitioning my time from NFL draft to, you know, running toilets to titles and then also trying to set up 
and expand the Frankenstein listener league. Like if you're not familiar with it, anybody go to the toilets of titles, YouTube channel, search Frankenstein and find one of our episodes about it and check it out. And then, and then reach out to me if you want in, cause we got about 36 openings. We're expanding that thing. So yeah, we got tons of stuff going on and I appreciate you guys bringing me on. It's, it's a lot of fun. Like this is the big leagues, like coming on, talking with you guys, like toilets of titles, we have fun talking draft and we're like kind of learning on the fly, but like I respect the hell out of both of you guys. You know, I've done a lot of content with you guys, you know, Brian, I, I got to meet you down at the senior bowl and talk to you about your process and Shane, one day we're going to have to kidnap you like old school style. We're going to throw you in the back of a van and dro- drive you down to Alabama. So uh, yeah, you guys bringing me on here to talk draft prospects a year in advance is pretty damn cool. Oh man. We, we appreciate you coming on and, uh, and dropping dropping some knowledge on us, especially on the skill guys, man. Because I, yeah. I, I I'm I'm not in the weeds yet. I'm hoping to get there between now and uh, now and when we come back in August. But uh, thanks for coming on, man. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. All right. So that was Dwight there coming. On. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe I did that. I'm, I'm uh, that's good. Myself. That's good. He was he was loving it. So oh, I'm man. telling all the toys titles guys. Are I, I swear it. to God, dude, I don't know where I got that from. I don't know, but that's I don't that's know why funny. I thought that. I, I I don't know. It's 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 crazy. That's why we call him Coach. We don't we don't need the first name. There there you go. All right, Shane. Let's get to some questions we've had. Uh, we, we we missed a couple. I mentioned there in the Discord earlier. Uh, we missed a couple last week, and that's on me. So we're gonna get to those now. Uh, Sal. Kusumano at Kusumano underscore Sal ask, uh, who are your biggest draft surprises, the 2023 draft on the defensive side of the ball and maybe some, some of the fits that you like on those guys. I, I mean, I, I was surprised that Jack Campbell went in the top 20, I, I, but I love that fit. I mean, I think he's going to be a hundred tackle guy, the linebacker from Iowa going to the lions at 18. Uh, I, I thought that was great. Um, I was, uh, t- you know, I, I was a little bit surprised that we saw um, Nolan Smith fall all the way to 30 as well. Like, I, I thought he could have been a top 10 pick once again. You know, I, I surprised that I think was good, a good fit. So I, I definitely like those guys linebacker edge in terms of first round picks. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think those are uh, that, that's a couple of good spots. Like I said, we, we all like made fun of like almost – them drafting Jack Campbell at 18, but there may not be a better like front runner for defensive rookie of the year out of the I first mean, round than Jack Campbell. Yeah. I got a bet on that. I may do that. Uh, <laughs> at flows 420, Brian Zukowski asked, uh, no, wait, that, that was not a question. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Here, sorry. Sal asked another question. Uh, who will be this year's, uh, sixth or seventh round running back that could surprise. Talking like Isaiah Pacheco. Oh man, I think it's tough because a lot of the day three running backs I think are clearly behind you know someone else. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think Zach Evans, the running back from Mississippi that went to the Rams. You know, we've seen Cam Akers kind of slow down. I think that's a possibility. But I mentioned it on uh, coach coach's draft uh, last week. I I liked an Eric Prince getting signed by the Chiefs. You know. Pacheco just had surgery. Um, uh, Prince, best speed score in the class. I think he's a, a, a guy to watch out for. Hey, also, uh, is there going to be a – I got tired of talking about this on radio spots, uh, about there being a Brock Purdy in this year's class. 
you could have put in, I think you could have put any quarterback on that 49ers team and they would have had some moderation of success. So, <laughs> dang, but, you're just taking I, down Purdy like that. I, I, I'm serious, but uh, is there a Brock Purdy in this class? No, I mean, if there if there was if there was one every year, then it'd be a lot easier to uh, draft. Um, like I, I think Max Duggan, you know, has a chance, right, as a seventh round pick, because he's just kind of like Purdy, like athletic, tough. Uh, you know, stick his nose in and can make it work in the offense. If Justin Herbert would, God forbid, get hurt, you know, I think Max Duggan could come in. The Chargers still would be pretty decent. Yeah, I guess that's what you're kind of looking for there. If you're looking for a Brock Purdy, right? You're 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 banking on like a quarterback getting hurt. And in that case, maybe it's that he was a fourth round pick, but you know, not a guy I'm a fan of. But Stetson Bennett, you know, Stafford missed a lot of time last year, right? So, yeah, could be. Uh, let's see. We had a couple of questions today trying to f- uh, motor scroll through here. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, at the real, the third ask, uh, is the 2024 class going to be a better crop than this underwhelming 2023 class? Lie to me if you really have to. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we talked about it a bit with Sheps, and I think Ken's, you know, talking about the skill positions for fantasy football. I, mean, I think the potential was there, especially because, you know, the offensive line class is great. I think uh, I think you know the edge and defensive line class could be really good. I do think you know corner wise, twenty twenty three was exceptional. Tight end wise, it was pretty exceptional. Um, so we'll see. We're still you know still in like these COVID eligibility years until twenty twenty six is when that finally ends. I think it's still going to be a lot of jumbled kind of mess of a lot of guys going back. At two Ted Cully uh, wanted us to. Uh, he he's high on JJ McCarthy. We talked about that earlier. You are obviously not. So, uh, but we, we did talk about that earlier. Uh, at AKA Muskie ask, uh, what do we think of DJ Uyangale? And did I get that right? You did. Look at you. How about that? So can he turn it around and become a legit prospect? Yeah. He went off the deep end last year. It was sad. Uh, yeah. I mean, the past two years after that Notre Dame game, is so good as a true freshman. Uh, yeah, I think Oregon State's system works. He still has the size and athleticism. Do I think he's going to be a you know a top a first round pick again? Probably not. But I think he could be a day two guy that you're like I like the the size athleticism arm. Let's take a shot. Um, you know you know Oregon State actually has a really good quarterback room right now. Uh, so you know I, I don't think his job is safe either if he's not good. Because I think their their backup uh, Ben uh, Goldbrunson's pretty good too. That's what I say. Is there even um, a guarantee he's going to be the starter? Because I saw uh, Nagy tweeted out, you know, quarterbacks on their board, and Goldbrunson was also on there with with uh, old DJU there. Yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, I mean, DJU. I, I think he'll start, but I, I think the leash is the, the leash is short. Long. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Uh, we had one. That, that was think that was it for the uh, Twitter questions there. So we had one question earlier in the chat. Uh, Scott M asked, uh, he had said he hadn't even started the 2024 class. Uh, what's the current thoughts? Better or worse in 2023? Stronger or weaker? I definitely, well, we went over the receivers, definitely looking like it's going to be stronger. Yeah, I, I think receiver will be stronger. I think running back probably similar. Um, I think quarterback has a chance to be deeper um tight end's gonna be worse tight end's gonna be worse i think uh 
I think O line could be similar, and I think I think it, edge probably will be worse. D line will probably be a little bit better, um, and then I think secondary uh, safety is going to be a ton better. A corner I think is going to be a ton worse, so it just bounces out. Yeah, we're going to talk about that next week. Next, uh, week, next week for sure. We're going to talk about um, that with uh, we're going to bring on Nino. Uh, so we're going back to back weeks with uh, toilets to titles. Boom. Uh, Next week, yeah, we're going to bring bring Nino on. We're going to talk defense uh, with him next week. Me and I went on his show and talked a little bit about the defensive uh, prospects that I had watched uh, earlier, and he kind of schooled me a little bit on some of the guys that he likes. But that is uh, that's something to look forward to next week. Uh, more twenty twenty four talk next week, Shane. Like I said, uh, final thoughts here on what an episode. I, I'm gonna be honest. I did not think we would go an hour fifteen tonight. You get me and Shep's talking. I feel like that when the three of us, you know, we start going. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's that's the thing. So, oh, I think we could have went longer for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of like, we didn't even talk about Raleigh Leonard. I really wanted to. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the thing. I think this early, there's so much potential out there, yeah. right? And it's like, it's a lot we would just want to get out, uh, especially in case some of these guys hit. But uh, no, I hope, I hope people will keep the site up. You know, and we'll check out some of the 2024 content here coming up. Yep. Uh, coming up, uh, we're, we're finishing up our uh, draft review series. That's coming up uh, tomorrow. Miranda's going to have the NFC North. I'm sorry, Brad. Actually, Brad's will be AFC North tomorrow. And uh, Miranda will have the NFC North on Friday. Then I'm going to give you 10 players that I'm looking forward to watching uh, over the summer. Miranda's going to piss a lot of people off. I think Sunday she's going to drop uh, her uh, post-draft uh, NFL predictions for next year. So she's getting out ahead of it. And I love it. And uh, Shane, you got an excellent piece I'm looking forward to on Tuesday where you're going to look at uh, the top 10 players at uh, each position group historically, uh, how, how you've had them graded, right? Yeah. 2004 through now I've, I've, I've been digging up my old notes and, I don't know. I don't know if I can limit it to top ten. So you might you might get more content uh, out of that. Shane's going to drop two thousand words on uh, historical grades, and I love it. But uh, and we mentioned earlier you're going to have a 2026 mock coming up on Monday as well. Monday. One round. Only sure, one I'm, round. Only one round. I'm sure everybody will uh, receive that gracefully. <laughs> yes, we won't get any comments on Twitter. It'll be great. No, I absolutely not. Uh, but that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown Podcast. Um, as a, uh, if you, if you're new to the channel, uh, hit that subscribe button, like the videos, uh, hit that notification bell. So you get notified whenever we drop new content on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you listen to the audio version of this, uh, be it on uh, Spotify or Apple podcasts, uh, give us a five-star review and share that out as well. We want to get those, uh, get, get that into the ears of as many people as we can. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter, uh, at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. And go to DraftCountdown.com for the next uh, week and a half, you know, until we take a little break. But uh, daily content uh, up there related to the 2023 and 2024 and beyond NFL drafts. Uh, For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.